This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and joining me in the studio today are the Toledo Symphony's music director, Alain Trudel. We also have principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue. And by phone, we have the TSO's president and CEO, Zach Vasser. Now, before I say hello to all you gentlemen, I have a special fanfare planned, and this has to do with the fact that we are starting Season 6 of Toledo Symphony Lab. It's also Season 79, right, for the Toledo Symphony? I believe so, yeah. It actually goes for a little while, so let's just sit back and relax and enjoy. kind of like that it's kind of like the opening of star wars 4 you know where the ship goes over and keeps going and keeps going yeah <laughs> all right it needed more cowbell good job guys wow <laughs> i just oh, had to throw in a little good job guys <laughs> for folks who follow the podcast and you may recognize the voice of Elaine's daughter, uh, <laughs> younger, right? How old was she yeah. when she did that recording? Uh, oh, I she was about six months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah it's, it's, fully formed know. words at six months. She's a, a true Trudell, right? So the concert that uh, inspired this episode is happening this Saturday. It's September 10th at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Paris Style Romeo and Juliet. Many composers have tried their hand at interpreting that Shakespearean story. We're going to hear from some of those on this program. We're going to talk about it today as well. Um, I wonder if we can start with the question as to why Romeo and Juliet, why the Shakespeare connection for the season opener? How did that come about? Well, uh, Brad, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. <laughs> Wishing you all a very good, uh, happy new season with the podcast. Um, well, uh, it's my fifth season. We're kind of thinking of celebrating different things that, that, that we did over the years, and especially reminiscing on the first uh, season I was here. Like, we, we uh, were replaying uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, one of the concerts, and one of the very, very meaningful experience I had uh, in my first few weeks in Toledo was to do a side story. And a side story, of course, being a modern uh, adaptation. Well, it's not so modern anymore <laughs> of, of <laughs> Roman and Juliet. At the time, in the yeah. 1950s, it was <laughs> exactly. very modern. And that was quite uh, quite an experience we all had when we played this with the movie. And I thought, well, what about, you know, I'd like to play it again, but we're not going to do the movie again. But I wanted to have an experience where we do uh, a Roman and Juliet uh, movie uh, so, yeah, so for my fifth season, I wanted to, uh, you know, reminisce a little bit about some of the repertoire we, we've done together in the first season that was here. So, Roman and Juliet, the, the modern version, uh, the Bernstein yeah. uh, West Side Story was something very important. So, I thought maybe we, we do some of it again. So, we're doing the, of course, the dances, the symphonic dance from Roman and Juliet, but also many different, uh, many, many different aspects of Roman and Juliet interpretation, as you said, from different components on that concert. It's actually really hitting as well because um, one of the great pieces on this concert, Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet, Prokofiev was actually the very the very first notes Alain conducted 
on, for the Toledo Symphony uh, oh. were, a, were as a Prokofiev Symphony. You remember uh, the, that, Elaine? Prokofiev Classical Symphony. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> Prokofiev Cla- Classical Symphony, that's so, true. And yeah. it, it was in a program we also did Sherazad. Exactly. And yeah, uh, yeah a, a very little program. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we did a saxophone quartet, the concerto, a concerto for saxophone quartet by Philip Glass. Philip Glass, Glass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that concert. I remember that. But so it, it's kind of nice to have that nod to the ver- the very beginnings mm. of Alain's um, re- relationship with the orchestra, yeah. just through that common composition. But you know, also, uh, is Romeo and Juliet is uh, one of the orchestra's favorite. The be- the um, the Prokofiev for Romeo and Juliet is something that comes year after year after year on the the orchestras. Uh, we're pulling the orchestra every year and asking them what they would like to play, the members of the orchestra, and that comes back every year. Really? So, yeah, so it was a nice way. Oh, well, Prokofiev Roman Julia is always an orchestra favorite. It's virtuosic, it's beautiful, it's dramatic, it has everything. But does it have a good trombone part? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can cross that off your list now. They can't choose uh, Ro- Romeo and Julia by Prokofiev for at least another five years, <laughs> oh, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this uh, particular theme in this concert and this tie-in, especially with Elaine's tenure at TSO, uh, Zach? Well, you know, as as you two were reminiscing, I'm, I'm thinking back to my first concert when I became president of the orchestra. Uh, Romeo and Juliet opened that season as well, so uh, I guess there's a there's a tie-in there. We're all we're all celebrating something wow. familiar here. Um, I love this music. I remember when I was a kid, really getting into classical music. I had a couple recordings of the Romeo and Juliet suites, and um, and I remember Michael Tilson Thomas came out with one of his first recordings with San Francisco, where he played his own kind of synthesis of the Prokofiev score, and I had the the magic opportunity to see him with San Francisco perform that at the Peristyle. So. Yeah. Uh, I was I was you know agog at you know one of my idols and being able to relive a recording that had just come out um, and you know that was a frequent play for me. There's something so rich and melodic about the Prokofiev score, the, you know the sense of of tragedy and drama and pathos is all very alive in that in in, in that uh, composition. But then when you pair that with uh, the West Side Story symphonic dances, another one of my you know, teenage favorites, yeah. um, the the Nina Rota, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, just some uh, phenomenal music, and the Berlioz, which I remember seeing with the TSO when I was a youngster under Andrew Massey. You know, it's a it's kind of a very nice synthesis of the music that I've always loved, and it fits together on such a wonderful program. So kudos to Alain and Merwin for, for coming up with this concept. Um, I noticed that uh, there is uh, one name off of this list that could possibly inc- be included for Romeo and Juliet, and that would be, of course, Tchaikovsky and his Romeo and Juliet, which I assume you've done in the past. But I thought we'd make up for it here. So every time somebody says something especially brilliant, you hear this music. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Elaine is doing a little air yeah. violin right there. He is a lot of vibrato, art vibrato. <laughs> yeah. Very Russian. Yeah, what's your what's your my, take on that, Merwin? <laughs> I did my shove sick this morning. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I have a little quiz, and this is a Romeo and Juliet edition of my composer quiz. So, just a few questions here. What I'm going to do is say something about a particular composer and their association with Romeo and Juliet. 
and then you tell me who it is. This should be fairly simple. We can zip right through this. Uh, you just uh, shout out a name when you know the answer, okay? George. Uh, <laughs> George, it's actually a good guess. It's pretty close. Let's get some music for uh, this. Okay. We all recognize this as uh, Elaine's walk-on music, right? Oh, I thought it was another one bites the dust, <laughs> <laughs> which is also appropriate for Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, was that a spoiler? That was yeah. a spoiler. Yeah, it's like Titanic. We all knew how it was going to end, right? Or the perfect storm, or any number of uh, stories. Question number one: This composer's musical stage work was originally about an Irish Catholic family and a Jewish family. Anybody get that? That's Bernstein. Yay! Which Bernstein? Leonard Bernstein, right? Yes, I, yeah. I, I can't think of the Elmer Bernstein, Elmer. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Okay, in addition to Romeo and Juliet, this composer also wrote music about Hamlet and The Tempest. Uh, Tchaikovsky? <laughs> you are correct. I didn't think we'd get any other brilliant music. I thought for sure that would not play at all this whole show. Yeah, well, we're making up for it. There we go. Okay, so one for Merwin, one for Zach. All right. Written in 1867, this composer's take on Romeo and Juliet is still performed regularly today. And it's not one of the composers on the concert. 1867. And it's performed in opera houses around the world. Oh, Guno. Oh, Guno. Guno, yes. Yay! Guno's operatic version of Romeo and Juliet. Lots Still. of trombones in that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true trombonist. Okay, this composer's opera on Romeo and Juliet was written in just 45 days. Wrote in 45 days by copying arias from an opera that he wrote that had failed. That sounds like Rossini. Close, very close. This is a bel canto composer. Also wrote a little opera called Norma. Bellini stole it from his own stuff? Yeah, it's Vincenzo Bellini. Capuletti Montecchi, the Ah, Capulets and the Montagues, right? right? Oh, wow. This composer's take on Romeo and Juliet was financed by the great violinist Niccolo Paganini. What composer did Paganini pay for? Oh, uh, Liszt, no? Liszt, no? Oh, no, Berlioz, Berlioz. Berlioz. (laughs) Sorry. I figured Elaine would get that. Yeah, Yeah, I mixed it up with the Harold in Italy also. (laughs) Well, it was Harold in Italy that got Paganini (laughs) interested in Berlioz. Yeah, exactly. Now, this composer... This is the hardest one, this last one. This composer wrote the theme song for the TV show The Apprentice in 1935. Does that make sense? He wrote the music. It was actually used as a theme song for The Apprentice. It's the best song. (laughs) I can't. I can't remember the theme music. And you have to hum it. it. You have to sing it if you do it. Let's hear it, Elaine. Really? Wow. Yeah, it doesn't go so well with uh, the disco soundtrack in the background, <laughs> but yeah. 
you know, I, I would probably pay maybe a, maybe a nickel to hear you sing that in a in a non disco format. <laughs> okay, we'll save that for another podcast. But uh, okay, looking through this list, we have a tie between Merwin and Elaine, mm. and Zach got one. Nobody got the Guno, right? Or did no, you get no, it? I got, got the, the Elaine got the Guno. Oh well, then yeah. Elaine is the winner. There's a photo finish. Oh. Yeah, three cheers for Elaine. Yay! Or just one cheer. That's fine. <laughs> Good enough. Well, you know, it was kind of fun to to talk about some of the composers. There are so many composers that have written. Not just music related to Shakespeare, but music related to this specific mm. story. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it'll be with us for a very long time. We've talked about uh, Prokofiev. We've talked about Bernstein. One, one thing that we don't hear that often is the Berlioz. Mm-hmm. And you're doing the love scene from Romeo and Juliet. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about Berlioz because, you know, he he saw this play, the actual Shakespearean play, with his idol, Harriet Smithson, performing the role. Mm. She spoke English. He spoke French. He decided he was going to marry her. There's a whole crazy story there. They got married. They had a kid. And, you know, then it didn't end well. I wonder if you have anything you want to say about Berlioz in preparation for this what this love scene, <laughs> right? Well, that's well. What you just said is basically the same funny fantastic, <laughs> right? Because that's his infatuation yeah. with her. Uh, but the the love scene, I it's something I for some reason I I do quite often. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful excerpt from this very large. Uh, how we can call it oratorio, maybe a little bit more the yeah. Romeo and Juliet. The, yeah. the, it's not an oratorio, but it's it's kind of a like most of Berlioz's music or art. It's kind of a hybrid of everything because mm-hmm. Berlioz, the orchestration sounds like a hybrid. The 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 way he puts them together, the way he had he had, his, he had singers, even his requiem is for four orchestras. It's like is there's something revolutionary. Now that's the important thing for me is that um, the way he writes music. Is very you can feel it in a sensorial kind of way, uh, because you know in Bernstein, okay, we have the big drama, in Prokofiev we have the, a lot of story. There's a lot of storytelling, but we don't have the this this love scene. There's not one that has a love scene that is very tender mm. and takes its time to unfold. And I think it's very intimate. And uh, and this one, you know, I really wanted to have something in the in the heart of the program, in the middle of the program. That uh, we took our our time, our sweet time, to uh, to discover, like you know, what 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 love can be, and I think Berlioz, for all his craziness, you know, and and all the uh, revolutionary ideas and all that, there was a side of him that just you know that you know, that, like everybody who craves attention, who acts out, he just wants to be loved, he just wants to be, uh, you know, appreciated as a human, as a person, and, and you hear that in this love scene. It's really incredible, and and the orchestration and that, yeah, with the uh, the four bassoons. <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of a big orchestration, but it's never loud, and and there's always um, a sense of uh, how do you say expectation there, yeah, and and it, it never quite goes. Uh, I don't want to say all the way because it sounds very bizarre on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you but, can say uh, we can say anything <laughs> on this podcast, right? No, but there, there, there's this great sense of the romantic era with everything is a little bit idealized. 
and uh, you know love is idealized and something sometimes we forget about, you know we don't live that way today yeah. and it's nice to look and listen to a concert where you go like oh wow this it could be that you know and this is not necessarily the reality that we all live in in our fast paced world but you know 18 minutes of unfolding just this this scene this love scene where the, it's like you know you look at each other and something happens there's some yeah. magic there and it's not five minutes not three minutes it's like 18 minutes of going through that it's beautiful of course it's you know it's great music so you don't see the time go by but there's something that again uh, old school uh, like uh, that that brings us back to something you can only have in a concert well i think uh, taking what you're saying into account also with the other music that's on this uh, the, the opening concert really kind of presents what the symphony is all about and what going to the symphony is all about. You talk about this sort of stop and smell the roses kind of moment. Mm. I mean, that is a lot inherent in a lot of your programs where time is suspended, where people lose mm. themselves in the music. It's a more disciplined and perhaps, you know, for lack of a better term, an older way of uh, passing the time and enriching your life. Mm. But it's definitely something that is like novel these days because people are so used to, you know, the fast food commercial type mm. uh, music. True, when you actually sit here, you you can enjoy it. But the world has changed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, since we had we had to deal with all the the height of COVID, uh, we're going back to some values that you know, if we can just sit together and have this communion through music. I mean, the concert has a little amuse-gueule at the beginning, you know, with the the rota. Mm -hmm. Then we have storytelling. Then we have a, a moment of love and communion, and then we have the craziness of the the war of the gangs at, at the end. So yeah. you know, you're there. <laughs> it's, it's like a movie for your ears. <laughs> the war of the gangs. <laughs> I like that movie for your ears. I even like that. That definitely gets a cheer. I don't know about you. That sounded pretty brilliant to me. I think you might even get some Romeo and Juliet for that. Okay, that's enough of that. All right. <laughs> By the end of this episode, it's just going to be the first two notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Da -da -da -da. Something like that. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of the other concerts that are happening this season. I have prepared, as we have done the last couple of uh, seasons, a uh, season roulette. In other words, we'll spin the roulette wheel and you guys see what you get and you tell us what the concert is. I mean, there's so much mm -hmm. interesting and fun stuff, really fun stuff going on this season. So hopefully you'll pick out the fun stuff, right, Merwin? Let me uh, start with you. Let's roll the uh, roulette wheel. All right, what do you got there, Merwin? Well, this is really exciting. I, I can, I can't, I'm, I'm opening this with bated breath, and <laughs> this is, this is perhaps the exact opposite of the concert we have just been <laughs> describing. <laughs> we present a movie for your ears, for sure, true, <laughs> but this is the movie Psycho. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> Maybe not quite the youthful love sort of, <laughs> sort Unless you, of but now if you put the love scene from <laughs> Berlioz Romeo and Juliet and the screaming strings from Bernard Herrmann's Psycho together on the same concert that would be brilliant that'd be telling a story of sorts <laughs> there's something that's really amazing about the juxtaposition of these two things um, <laughs> when you're taking Berlioz who's you who you're bringing this vast sense of orchestral resource 
to the service of something so incredibly intimate. And with Bernard Herrmann, you're doing almost the exact opposite. You're taking a composer who, you know, because of wartime and was forced to just use a string section to create this extraordinarily wide range of emotion. And so in a weird way, as opposed to, you know, making an putting an eternity into 18 minutes here it's like every second is mm -hmm. counts it is incredibly jarring it's actually you know we're excited to do this with Alan as well my second movie yeah second movie <laughs> yeah. so so you know so I, I i think it's actually you know by way of contrast quite a, quite an interesting way to go from talking about one concert to another one that we're really looking forward to. Yeah. Can, can I go back? Y you said because of wartime, he only composed this for strings. I never heard that. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I think that that, that they could not afford to use an entire or uh, full orchestral platform. So that so interesting. Yeah, so they so he was actually kind of because of budgetary constraints using mm. this smaller orchestra. And so so it's funny. We're going to be doing this at the Valentine Theater. We're actually taking up a residency in the Hall Halloween weekend at the Valentine Theater, and it's a great place to do this. Uh, wow. There's something because it's it feels like a place to see a movie like that. You know, like it feel yeah. it feels like the chance to kind of you know get to get there's a sense of nostalgia in that in in that mm -hmm. in that hall to see this movie and to hear the music come to life. I totally. think it's gonna be exciting. Yeah. Also, a lot of red everywhere. That is <laughs> that is true. I'm sure you're talking about wine, right? Yeah, chocolate sauce. <laughs> I think it was Hershey's chocolate, chocolate sauce. sauce. Yeah. It was Hershey's. That was totally. the blood going down the drain. Yeah. yeah. Well, roulette. Well, I'm roulette. Spoiler Elaine, she's <laughs> spin the roulette wheel, <laughs> Elaine, and uh, we'll see what's going on here with another concert. All right, what do you got? I have. Let me put my glasses. Okay, so oh, <laughs> I have a got the actual concert that celebrates uh, the the fifth year I've been with the orchestra. It's the concert where we play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. So mm -hmm. that was on my first concert as music director. Of course, I had done uh, quite a few concerts before that, but this uh, this is a very very beautiful and important concert. Not only because we go back to playing Beethoven's Fifth, and it's surprising because uh, well, with COVID, more orchestras played Beethoven because it's not a, a huge orchestra. Right. But you know, normally people uh, they don't play Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, which is on me, you know, because they think they they've played it so often, and it's not that often. So yeah. for us, it's been five years you know so so it's interesting mm. play excerpts but you know to play the symphony so it's nice i also thought that you know since we're i always feel we're on our way you know to doing great things all the time we have a, we're never finished what we do so so i put the schubert uh, unfinished symphony because uh, uh -huh. we're our work is not done yet our our soloist is awadajan pratt and uh, he's going to play with us the Jesse Montgomery uh, was concerto. It's not a concerto, it's called Rounds, but it's concerto for piano and, and orchestra. It's very, very recent work. Yeah. So we were very uh, fortunate to have him play it with us. And that's going to be a really great concert. And that's in the beginning of November, 4th and 5th. Well, Zach, you must sort of feel like a, a proud papa with this season celebrating Elaine's tenure here. and uh, It's actually a five-year. I, I like how you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> tenure. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I am proud. I am proud. I was just thinking, you know, we, we were onboarding some trustees recently, and, and uh, Elaine spoke so beautifully about 
his occasion to come to the orchestra, how he discovered kind of in the middle of it that we were searching for a music director and uh, how that just so beautifully unfolded. And it it was such a remarkable uh, period of time for me, for the orchestra. And I can't believe it's been five years. It's been just a huge, uh, huge and gracious period of time. And I just, I, I, whenever anybody asks me what it's like to work with Alain Trudel, I always say it's just, I'm constantly impressed by his humanity. And um, it's just, it, it, that makes such a difference in the way he makes music, the way he interacts with audiences, how he leads players to be their best musician, and what he's like as a colleague. So I, I, I can only celebrate five years with a lot of, Uh, A lot of satisfaction, but also uh, a lot of excitement for what's to come. Okay. (laughs) I I feel like running very slowly towards Zach. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You and I are running through the fields. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See if we can work that into, you know, the stage direction. Thank you so much. That's very, very nice of you. And I feel the same way about you and about our team also. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about concerts now. Right. Zach is is on the phone, so I wonder if we could we could find something that he could talk about. Let me uh, get our roulette wheel going. So I guess I will reveal Zach's concert to talk about, and it is a concert with Alain and the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, the Great American Songbook. Boy, we're just talking a lot about Alain today. Good thing you're here, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you, usually you always talk behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah, so this is the first in the what we're calling the jazz series. Uh, it's Alain's first concert as artistic director of the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. And it happens in the middle of November, on the 17th of November, at the Franciscan Center. And it celebrates the Great American Songbook. And, it, and there are two wonderful... Um, uh, vocalists joining him for that celebration, uh, two great giants in our jazz scene here, Ramona Collins and Kim Bueller, mm. uh, two of my favorite singers. So um, I, I, I would have to unfortunately punt to Alain to talk about any specific uh, artist, but this is really where um, I think our audiences get to celebrate Alain's two loves. We know how committed he is to classical music and directing wonderful orchestras and classical music, but now our audiences get to celebrate his deep love and affection for jazz and work with the jazz orchestra. Yeah. Uh, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra is a new addition to the schedule, is it not? Yeah. It's exciting. It, it is, yeah. It's a new partnership. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on this uh, on this program before, but uh you know, we've we've been working since before the pandemic with the trustees at the TJO about ways that we can work together. And we thought about all sorts of different ways that we can um, use some of our expertise in fundraising and marketing and selling tickets to um, to kind of raise uh, certainly more revenues, but the profile of the TJO. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's just been a, a phenomenal conversation, which really kind of culminated in in their appointment of Alain as their music director. Um, that was that was something that you know, I'm, I'm sure we didn't consider at, at the at the outset. But it's one of the wonderful things that kind of happens through the sincerity of our planning and and the many conversations we had about what could be 
um, Alain played a, a performance with him right before the pandemic began at Franciscan, Franciscan Center Lord's College. Uh, he was their, their guest soloist that night. Okay. <laughs> Alain, you must, yeah, I mean, it must feel great to be able to, to wear the two hats as a conductor and also to get some performing out here in front of your audience. Actually, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was, um, you mentioned the uh, singers. I was having a little coffee with Ramona this uh, this morning, actually. And uh, we're talking about what we're going to do together. We're going to play, and she's, of course, amazing. I was, uh, yesterday, I was, uh, it's funny, I had this moment. I was uh, in bed <laughs> with a little speaker playing with my little play-along stuff, you know, playing some jazz standards and I, it Wait, you were me. having coffee in bed with Ramona? No, 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 no. <laughs> coffee, <laughs> coffee did, That's how rumors get started. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, today with Ramona. Especially when you put them on the radio. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, and yesterday I was at home, <laughs> alone, <laughs> <laughs> and I was playing, <laughs> I was playing some trombone, and it reminded me when I was a teenager, when I was when I was about thirteen, fourteen, and that's all I did. I played those jazz standards that my you know my mother would sing because my mother was a jazz singer, my father mm-hmm. was a drummer, and uh, yeah, it's my first love. So it's uh, it's I don't know. It just uh, when I'm when I'm home and I'm not working with the symphony, that's what I do. I just play jazz standards on trombone. Wow. So I enjoyed very much, and uh, it's just an incredible opportunity for me because it's a great band, and and to work with these fine musicians and to. You know, that uh, go that 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 part of my personality as well, and uh, yeah. and with great their great artistry, and uh, and so I just see it as a wonderful opportunity to make music, uh, some other kind of music, like Duke Ellington said. You know, it's not <laughs> good or bad; it's the music you like, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Merwin, you're not playing in a jazz band, huh? I am not jazz orchestra. Yeah. Oh well, it's one of the f- concerts in this roulette wheel that I don't have to be part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Let's spin that roulette wheel again. <laughs> well, this better be a good one. It was nice and long. I can't believe I get this concert. <laughs> so uh, this is a concert I'm sure Alain would have liked to talk about. I am sure that Zach would have liked to talk about, but I get to talk about it. It better not be Mahler 3. <laughs> Mahler's third symphony. Oh, you're killing that me. That ends our uh. Oh, my gosh. This is, one of my, this is one of my two or three favorite symphonies in the entire literature. Um, it's funny because, in a way, it kind of, the two instruments that Elen and I play. Um, it, it's so famous for an amazing trombone solo, um, but for me, the heart of the movement is the beginning of the last movement, mm-hmm. which is, it's almost like a, it, it has the intimacy of a string quartet. I've always had the pet theory that he was very directly inspired by Beethoven's last quartet, mm-hmm. but I, I can't prove it. I don't have any citations. It's just a gut <laughs> feeling that I have. But it's just it's i i joke about this symphony a lot because it is the the symphony that has the longest duration in the standard repertoire so i joke that this is the piece i want at my funeral because i want (laughs) want people to be there for a while (laughs) but they could just come and go like you did with the uh, bach around the clock (laughs) concert right but i mean gosh if there was ever a piece that kind of has that sense of ascension um, that you know you're hoping yeah. for at that period of your at uh, that period of time it's the last movement of the third Mahler symphony mm. so yeah I hear Cap- Zach is a fan too 
Yes, uh, he, he, he knows yeah. Mahler. <laughs> he has he ha- he has his moments with this. Composer. Yeah, I drug out the Mahler Bell. I'm very happy. I noticed. I'm happy that it makes it to another season. That Ma Bell is one of my favorites. It's also interesting that, uh, of course, all three of us. All Brad, I'm speaking for you. If we say all four of us love Mahler. But for Merwin, Elaine, and me, I would say that we would probably agree pretty quickly that Mahler 3 is at the top of the, the 10 symphonies for us, um, which is kind of an outstanding thing to say. It's you know, Some would be hard-pressed to choose just one, but it's always been uh, number three for me, too. Well, you have a, a consensus going, at least. What, what about you, Elaine? What's your favorite Mahler symphony? Oh, it's difficult to say. <laughs> of course, I love number three. Well, you know what's great about this program is that the all this uplifting at the end will be the last thing we play for a public at the end of the season. All right, it's the so, season closer. Exactly. Yeah. So you come in on notes of love, and you will leave, um, you know, being uplifted, uh, uh, transformed, kind of love. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll just mention again that the season opener is this Saturday, it's September. 10th at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Peristyle at the Toledo Museum of Art. Music inspired by Romeo and Juliet by various composers, all of it conducted by Elaine Trudell. More information at ToledoSymphony.com or 419-246-8000. We're talking about the new season which opens this Saturday and lots of great concerts going on. Again, you can find all that information on those concerts at their website at ToledoSymphony.com. Let's pull up another uh, concert and see where we are, what we can talk about. Go for it, Merwin. Oh, I think it's Alain's job. Okay, Alain. Go for it, Alain. Okay, I'm here. I'm opening it as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) And not cheating at all. Okay. (laughs) Okay, this better be good. Oh, the art of art. Oh, yeah, excellent. So this is um, actually going to be uh, the last of the five concerts that the Toledo Jazz Orchestra does uh, in our series for next year. And uh, this is a program, it's an interesting program because uh, we want to pay tribute to, of course, one of the greatest pianists that ever lived, a pianist that cracked money enough. And Rubinstein said that if this pianist would have played classical music, they both would have quit the piano, imagine. (laughs) So we're talking about Art Tatum, huh? A very, very uh, important musician from Toledo. So uh, we decided to uh, pay homage to, to him. Uh, we're going to have as a guest uh, Larry Fuller, who's also from Toledo, who has a national international career. But what's interesting is that, you know, Art Tatum didn't write music for, for jazz orchestra. And he didn't write that many pieces. He was more like a you know virtuoso uh, interpreter of of the the standards that were there. So what we're doing for that concert, we're getting some uh, some um, some of his works uh, that are not so well known, but uh, we're going to bring them to the public, and they're going to be arranged for jazz orchestra. <sighs> so it's it gives us the opportunity to to give something back to the repertoire of jazz orchestra but also to keep the um, the in, in, in everybody's mind the music of uh, of art so art tatum so uh, we're going to do one of the things that we're doing is he wrote a suite on the precious stone the four precious stones that not a lot of people know i had to search like for a week yeah. <laughs> over here and there and that recordings from the 30s and and uh, that's sweet. I'm getting a good friend of mine uh, to write uh, a, a big band version of it. 
and there's going to be a suite. And this, after we've done this concert, it will be available for jazz band around the world. So people wow. can play the music of Art Tatum just not on piano, and not just on piano, but with jazz orchestras all over. So it's a little bit of Toledo that will be traveling after that. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Uh, it's so interesting. Yay! I mean, the music of Art Tatum, certainly people know his recordings, but... but the fact that you're kind of creating something new in conjunction with this concert, I mean, it's really a, a wonderful and Toledo-centric kind of mm-hmm. adventure. Yeah. Merwin, you got something there? <laughs> <laughs> That's all you get. So I think this is going to actually be for Zach, right? Yeah, you keep I trying to give it to oh. Merwin. I don't know why you keep doing yeah, that. You keep, yeah, you keep skipping Zach's turn here. So. Oh, okay. Well, then you read that for okay, Zach. Okay, so Zach, your concert is... Um, a concert featuring Joanne Falletta on conduct- oh, yeah. the conductor and Melisan McNabney on harpsichord. Um, there's um, Ducas Fanfare from La Perry, Poulenc's harpsichord concerto, um, the concerto Champretre, um, Ravel's Bolero. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this for the entire. You've got about 17 more minutes. Yeah, and yeah. Ravel's Daphnis and Chloe's. Yeah. Just wait till we have the episode about Bolero. I'm going to play a Bolero that just lasts the entire episode, right? Oh, <laughs> I cannot yeah. wait. Uh, there are there are some definition of, in, of insanity that that might actually qualify for there, Brett. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is a performance. This is the fourth of February, uh, Saturday night. Uh, Joanne Folletta, wonderful conductor, uh, probably best known for her work with the Buffalo Philharmonic. Uh, one of my favorite conductors uh, outside of our quartet today, of course. Um, but she was uh, with Toledo Symphony last year, and that was kind of a goosebump moment for us. She did uh, Dvorak 9, um, and she's coming back to do this wonderful all-French program. And uh, includes the great um, harpsichord concerto by uh, Francis Poulenc. Uh, which will feature our brand new harpsichord, which we'll be profiling in a couple different ways this year uh, in chamber music and in in, in uh, orchestral repertoire. So, um, you know, you think about a harpsichord concerto, usually in a Baroque context, but uh, Poulenc used pretty large instrumentation for uh, for his harpsichord concerto, and it's just a just an outstanding uh, part of the of the canon. Yeah, you know, I've listened to recordings of it in the past, but just thinking of being in the audience for that yeah. performance is kind of exciting because it's really yeah. exciting, interesting music. It is, right? and, and and I'd be remiss. I think we cut Merwin off when he was talking about the program. Uh, after Bolero, there's uh, Daphnis and Chloe, uh, also by Ravel, ah. uh, the mm-hmm. second suite, which is just a phenomenal, colorful masterpiece. Um, and, you know, as, as we've learned, certainly through Alain's advocacy of, of the French uh, catalog, there's just such beautiful, beautiful colors possible with this repertoire. And this will just be a phenomenal, phenomenal concert from the first fanfare uh, by Paul Duca uh, all the way through the finale of, of Daphnis. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that will be a, a kind of an aural treat uh, for the, the, the sound and the senses. It's also a great opportunity to see the stars of the orchestra. 
Yeah. Like you know, so if you like, uh, like our fabulous principal flute, uh, Joelze, you can you can hear in Daphnis and Chloe. It's basically you know mm-hmm. half of it is a flute yeah, piece, flute concerto almost. Yeah. Yeah, but the bolero has solos for everybody, so you All can right. come and hear your favorite player. You know, you're a fan of George <laughs> on clarinet. You're a fan of Garth on drumming. <laughs> yeah, you come and you you get to hear them. I mean, uh, we have an orchestra with wonderful stars in the orchestra. Well, yes, and and thankfully a snare drum. <laughs> right. Listen, it's much harder than what people think. People sometimes they play it with quarters to start because it's too loud. Yeah. Sometimes you bring the, the the snare drum in the middle of in front in the middle of the orchestra to play the piece. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it, you know you just think it's tap 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 tap, but it's more than that. So no, no, it's very interesting and it's a great um, great moment for the use of our uh, uh, Toledo Symphony in HD. So right. people in the hall can see all those soloists, and uh, oh, it's going to be a really nice program. It's not as as uh, difficult though as playing the the bass string part in Paco Bell's Canon, right? <laughs> 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 Just keep repeating the same four notes over and over again, all the way to the end. Let's uh, pull up a couple more concerts. You know, one of the concerts that I saw that is definitely going to be my favorite is Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. right? And this is another film that you're doing the music with. I love yeah. that movie. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about this concert that's happening. Well, we're really excited about playing this movie. There's something, it's movies from this time period are actually some of the most difficult to yeah. play because mm-hmm. the music is, it's, less atmospheric and it's often used to highlight specific moments or specific gestures so your coordination with the picture has to be Mm -hmm. spot on and there is so much wit in the in the acting and the singing you don't want to spoil it by putting your notes just that tiny bit off so there's a (laughs) lot more in a weird way there's a lot more pressure Mm -hmm. in doing a movie like Mary Poppins than there is in doing a movie like Star Wars, even though there's mm-hmm. so many, like the, the notes are so iconic in Star Wars, there's something about Mary Poppins where you actually feel like you know, a lot is riding on just how well you do yeah. your part. So, so well, it's you, exciting, but it's also a little stressful. Well, you also <laughs> have the singing that you have to coordinate mm-hmm. with, right? Sure. Now, do, do they provide... I mean, are we still going to hear Dick Van Dyke and well, Julie Andrews? Or how no, I'm work? going to be doing all the singing. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a sample right no, now? No, we cannot. But Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> so, no, but you absolutely, you're going to be hearing Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews. And just, okay. Yes. And it's, it's going to be great. So, yeah. I, I, I love this movie. I've been looking forward to this. This is something that we had uh, planned for, the I think, the 2021 season that uh, just never happened due to COVID. And uh, I, I've just been looking forward to this. My kids have been looking forward to this. It's just one of those great musicals. And you have yeah. um, little songs that uh, have maximum impact. Uh, Stay Awake is one of my favorite songs. Uh, I sing it to my daughters. Um, you know, there, There's so much poignance in this. And, and and when you start to think about the movie in a larger way, it, it there's so much magic in it, especially toward the end. There's a lot of transformation and self-discovery. It becomes a fairy tale uh, besides being, you know, a, a super califragilistic sort of Disney <laughs> uh, marvel. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of tenderness in this movie that, that I think grown-ups will have a lot of fun rediscovering as, as we perform it. 
Well, you touch on something that I think is a really important quality here, and that is the family friendliness and family opportunity to come see these concerts. I mean, it's not like you can go watch it at a movie theater and have an orchestra play the score for you, you know, anywhere. It it happens with the the symphony concerts. And uh, so many other of your concerts are also oriented towards families. I, I would think that people who normally go to symphony, this would be a great season to introduce, you know, the younger members of their family to the orchestra through the concerts like this. And it's it's uh, performed in the afternoon uh, because of exactly that. So this concert's January 21st, which happens to be my wife's 40th birthday, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it happens at four o'clock, so there's still room for dinner afterwards. Uh, but it's, uh, it's intentionally made for families to come together mm-hmm. Uh, as as part of our pop series. Does anybody have any favorite concerts they want to mention off the top of their head without uh, going through the roulette process here? Sure, I'll take one. Um, I can't wait for um, November 19th. It's one of our pops concerts, and Lettucey is going to be um, singing the songs of Nina Simone. And that's just, that's going to be amazing. Because I mean, Nina Simone was somebody who was able to bridge gospel and classical and blues and jazz and to to be able to have somebody bring that sort of kind of authenticity in all of those styles you need an incredibly special singer and and let us see more than qualifies for that i mean sure she's just had a career that's gone from strength to strength and she's you know started in the mid 90s and is just um, releasing so many different projects. I mean, just in the last couple of years, she's released three different recording projects. And um, this tribute to Nina Simone is something that um, the chance to work with her with these icon- iconic songs with orchestra, that's something I, I'm really looking forward to. I think it's, for me, it's a personal highlight. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> It also speaks to the diversity of programs that you have going on at TSO. There's so many different kinds of music, all of it connected, you know, in the classical canon in a way, mm-hmm. just by virtue of the fact that the orchestra is playing it. But you guys have got something for everyone, right? Mm. What do you say, Elaine? Oh, well, there, there's one piece I, I've been programming for the last five years and that we always cut every year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, You're hoping that it gets done this year, right? Yeah, well, uh, well, it's in a program where we welcome one of the the, the biggest stars of the violin in the, in the world. It's Midori is going to play the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto with us and uh-huh. the, the Dvorak Seventh Symphony mm. that I've been meaning to, <laughs> <laughs> to do in Toledo for the last five years. So it's going to be amazing. But, you know, Midori is coming to us. This is a big deal. Yeah. It's a big thing. And you know, Merwin and I, when we when we work on programming this, I mean, to bringing the first draft to everybody, the different committees, and to bringing it to to Zach and the gang at the office, that we we often work as a, a how do you say a casting agency a little bit. So we say, who's this, what soloist plays this piece the best? And we're, we're thinking, you know, Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. I mean, it's a hands down. Midori, she plays that as like an angel. She's amazing, you know, and meaningful, not just beautiful, but meaningful the way she plays and. It's incredible. We we have her with us. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to see her in concert. I saw her when she was quite young at Tanglewood in the late, I want to say late 1980s, maybe the mm-hmm. around there. 
when she was, you know, the little wunderkinds, yeah. all of 15 or 16 years mm-hmm. old. This um, is actually her 40th yeah. anniversary in terms of being a performer. So yeah. And she is 40. And she, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. she was playing the violin right at, straight away. Huh? Absolutely. You know, Elaine, there is one more uh, piece that you've mm-hmm. programmed frequently that frequently gets cut for some reason. And we are also doing that one this year. Uh, it's a five in celebration of your fifth year, but it's Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony. Yeah, the, the fifth year of trying to get it on the program <laughs> <laughs> unsuccessfully. It's true. Until now. That's right. But, you know, it, it's just a phenomenal season. Just thinking about it, you know, there, there's so much effort that went into this, but, you know, there are many things that we haven't been able to talk about. I, I think Merwin's programmed one of the best chamber concerts in late January yeah. with uh, Elvis Costello's uh, Juliet Letters, which kind of fits into the opening concert, uh, Romeo and Juliet. We have Elton John tribute. We have a, a thing for Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington. Um, big concert at the at the uh, cathedral, uh, Puccini's Missa de Gloria. We have uh, Tchaikovsky's first piano concerto. Um, you know Stravinsky's Petrushka. Um, I'm just going through it. It, it. These are all wonderful things on top of Dvorak, on top of Mahler, on top of um, the uh, uh, symphonic dances by uh, Bernstein, but also by Rachmaninoff. I mean, it's just it's a it's a hell of a season. I'm just really excited about it. Yeah, totally. Five years for you, Elaine. Just flew by, real quick. You're looking forward to the next five. Oh yes, very much. So I, I think. Well, you know what we're looking forward to. We're celebrating this, but the year next year is going to yeah. be the 80th 80. of the orchestra. Now, we're, you, yeah, I, it's an exceptional season. We're already. I think Merwin and I feel the pressure of coming up with something that's even more than that. It's going to be tough because the seven. Yeah. This season, we're very, very happy and proud of it. We'll come up with something great next year, but it's going to take us all year to to find something because this is. A really, really good season. We're very happy. You could with just it. go for Opus 80 for everything, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter what the piece is, as long as it's Opus 80 or Number 80, something like that. Yeah. Here, I just programmed your whole season for you. So. <laughs> well, the uh, season opener is this Saturday. It's September 10th at 8 o'clock p.m. in the Paris style. Romeo and Juliet is the title and the theme of this program conducted by Elaine Trudell. You can find more information at ToledoSymphony.com or 419-246-8000. Gentlemen, it's good to, to have you back in the studio, to have you on the phone, Zach, and uh, we'll be talking more about these concerts throughout the season as we begin a new season of wonderful concerts from Toledo Symphony. Thanks, guys, for uh, joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you. you. Here's to a good season with you as well, Brad. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony. You can download episodes of our program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts. And remember, you can check out all upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website. Again, it's ToledoSymphony.com. You can find their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Elaine Trudell, Zach Vassar, and Merwin Sue. I'm Brad Cresswell. This has been Toledo Symphony Lab from FM 91.